Warning, this podcast contains adult language and is not suited for children. Warning, the following podcast was recorded the night of WWE Hell in a Cell 2022. We are not going to be talking about that show at all. So, hi, welcome back to the Squared Circle Sit Down. I'm Joe, he's Drake, and this is where we talk about all things not WWE Hell in a Cell 2022 in the world of professional wrestling. So, thank you for joining us on whatever podcast platform you're choosing, be that Apple, Google Podcast, uh, over on Spotify, Anchor, or Stitcher, also available on YouTube. You can search for Squared Circle Sit Down, give us a like, comment if you want to talk to us, share or subscribe. We thank you very much. You can also talk to us over on Twitter at Squared Circle SD. So, yeah, Drake, what's up? Well, I'm going to start off by being antagonistic. No titles changed hands tonight. Uh, now I've talked about it. Maybe we'll talk about it if any of the matches are worth talking about later, but that's not why we're here tonight. Otherwise, I don't know. It's been... A crazy week in pro wrestling. Well, Drake, are you hurt? I am not hurt. I have use of both my arms. And I'm not even scared like I was yet the other day when I first found out that half their roster is hurt. Not WWE, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about that because that affects everything. And we do have to talk about that show that I said we're not going to talk about in the future because we got to put it into our pay-per-view rankings. But... We can reflect on that later. For now, we have some other companies to talk about with plenty of news from the last week, right? Yeah, our cup runneth over, and it is a good thing in this case, because while you can make the complaint that there is too much wrestling sometimes, oh boy, has wrestling been pretty entertaining the last, I'd even say, 14 days. 14? Yeah, do you need 14? I need two. (laughs) Well, you know, some of the stuff, the story goes back to Double or Nothing, So, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We're not talking about that yet. I think we're going to start off, actually, by uh, talking about New Japan. Best of Super Juniors is over. Yeah, we have a, we have a winner. We had uh, finals. We had some good showings. we got to bring them up because we were all talk- always talking about Wheeler Yuta. Yeah, uh, Yuta cracked double digits, got 10 points on the board. Pretty good I showing. Am. I, you know, like I, um, I think I'll rave every year about, especially the G1 with the block format and everything where normally if there's somebody from like outside the company or a new face getting thrown in there, they usually go out of their way booking to give them at least a good showing. Um, somebody like a Jeff Cobb in recent years has a tremendous showing and I'm not saying Jeff Cobb is new, but like when you're raising someone up, this is how you can build somebody in a tournament much to a point that you've made multiple times and uh bringing in people from outside the company uh wheeler yuda's one ace austin is another one both of them having very good showings putting on lots of good matches getting lots of points on the board this is also the introduction of uh francisco akira who had a great showing uh pretty much every match he's in it's fantastic yep yep and things like this are great ways to do that although we had very familiar faces in the finals. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, with the block structured the way they were, it was kind of apparent that that was going to be the case. There were a couple options as to who it would be, but I would have been very surprised if I, on either side, it wasn't a New Japan guy. Oh, I expected the New Japan guys also, but 
it was very i was surprised actually with the winner um a little bit just because really? i thought for some reason we would get a change of pace with the winner because uh for those who are not up to date uh the finals is hiromu versus desperado and uh desperado the former champion hiromu a multiple time former champion and probably the face of the division um so all things considered like hell of a talent pool in finals they had like a 30 minute banger and uh hiromu is your winner and uh, nothing wrong with that of course i'm not upset by any means but um, I thought maybe they would go the route of uh, since Hiromu had won multiple in a row already, they would have shifted that up a little bit and continued to build this star because uh, the last year of Desperado has been so good that I thought maybe they would just give him another notch on the belt. Well, this was the – okay, so remind me because um, I may be remembering it wrong, but the last time that they faced off was at Wrestle Kingdom, right? It was Hiromu's like, return. When Desperado was was the champion, and Desperado yes. beat him, right? Yes, yes. So it, it makes sense to me that Hiromu is getting his win back. You know, giving it to Despi when he's like on that fire streak was huge, and it meant so much. But you know, he's cooling off now, and Hiromu will always be the face of this this uh, uh, division unless he pulls an Osprey, gains fifty pounds of muscle mass, and moves up. But you know, he, he's just the guy here, and. I feel like it's almost always right to bet on her. That's fair. And I also, I like the idea of uh, what they've done so far with like Okada and Naito. They keep track of records and they uh, go back and forth to keep them very even. One usually isn't pulling very far ahead of the other. They're usually within one of each other. And so having that, that trade off back and forth, especially in the same year of you can have a series of matches of these two versus each other, Perhaps if Hiromu takes the title off of um, Ishimori. Ishimori, yeah. Yes. want to make sure I get the right name. But um, perhaps if he takes the title off Ishimori, then you could have these two run back the Wrestle Kingdom match again. That'd be pretty cool. So oh, either yeah. way, good news. Yeah, and, and like they've had they've had some really great matches in the past. Um, back in like 2018, there was a lot of Desperado might beat him, but then Hiromu would take advantage usually of the mask. To pull out the win. So that, that's a cool thing that, you know, Despy beat him at Wrestle Kingdom pretty much clean, straightforward. And here we're getting it, it put back. And like you said, I, I'm pretty sure we'll get another one down the road when Hiromu, in my opinion, inevitably beats Ishimori. But uh, we can talk about that, too, because they shared a block, right? Yep. And uh, uh, that being Hiromu. Yeah, yeah, and Hir- Hiromu yes. and Ishimori, and Hiromu, again, beats Ishimori by referee stoppage, which is a, a thing, uh, which I feel like has to set him up really strongly going into the title match. Yeah, it makes me wonder if they're going to ha- somehow have Ishimori retain for a bit and maybe keep the chase going, but I, I don't know. I don't know, because then if not Hiromu, then who? And sure, you have plenty of people in the division that you could build up, like to heat up to uh, next year, Wrestle Kingdom, down the road in the fall, whatever. But for this right now, it's like it's Hiromu, as I said before, he's the face of the division, right? Like ever since guys like Kushido left and Osprey, uh, you know, moved up in the division. Like, yeah, so sure, Kushida might end up back there in a bit, but like I... 
I just don't see it right now. Right. He got released, right? Yeah. I forgot he's about that. Crazy. Probably ending up back there. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe Kushida shows up. Maybe Kushida versus Ishimori. Maybe Kushida beats Ishimori if he somehow gets past Hiromu. Am I dreaming or was Kushida in Impact at one point recently? I would not know because I don't follow Impact like that. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'm just crazy. It's totally possible. I'm just remembering it wrong. But, and uh, it's totally possible I missed the news. <laughs> yeah. Because there's so much wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, it looks it looks like I'm just being a crazy pants. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty clear he's gonna end up back in New Japan, if not sooner than later. Uh so yeah, I mean Ishimori, I don't remember when he won the title, so I don't know how long his reign has been unless uh you happen to have that information. Not offhand, I don't, but I do actually just want to give a shout out to New Japan and these other companies, specifically Impact and AEW, because we're going to keep talking about that AEW-New Japan relationship of this did its job, at least for me it did, Oh yeah. of having the other talent in these pools. Like, I know they're not going to win this tournament, but having them in there, having these fresh, unique matchups is cool. Like, it draws my attention. I want to see how Wheeler Yuta does. Yep. Yeah, AEW just made him a star. Like, I want to see how he does in a setting like this against all these people that he's not going to be facing on a regular basis. And so if you're going to give me more of that coming up at, like, Forbidden Door, yes, please. Thank you. Uh, bring it. I'll take it all. Thanks. Yeah, 100%. I'm trying to figure out who, because he's got to have a match. But I'm trying to figure out who he's facing at Forbidden Door. Because uh, it's tough. Probably not anyone from his block, right? So then if you look at the other side of the block, uh, I don't know, man. You've got you've got Hiromu if he loses, which I'll, we'll talk about more in a minute. Um, you've got uh, Francisco Akira, who is kind of a, you know, he's, he's proven a lot of himself here, but is still kind of an unknown. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who you put him against that sets up a strong match from the New Japan side, unless he's facing whoever the champion is which wouldn't really make sense coming off of this i want to just throw out and i i don't know about in terms of like uh because we're going to talk about these injuries but if it's possible i could see a situation of house of torture versus black hole black hole combat club i'd be dope i could see something like that happening speaking of uh injuries happening in aew let's turn our attention to AEW, which I think is where it's going to lay for the rest of this episode. Oh, man. So I know I say it all the time. I say it all the time. I don't remember the last time I didn't say that it's been a crazy week in wrestling, but it has been a crazy week in wrestling. Holy moly. And this one feels crazier than most because we're coming out of a pay-per-view where we've got some hot takes, some controversial choices, controversial opinions, but overall, we're saying, all right, matches are still good. They've made some choices that we don't necessarily agree with. I'm sitting back saying, all right, I'm going to get that post-pay-per-view malaise again of, yeah, they're going to go through the motions, build up some challengers that are just going to lose to your new champion. All right, we'll get the next piece in the storyline. House of Black can be off of TV for another six months before they have a match. And then, bam. News, news aplenty. So, oh, so, so let's start with MJF because, like, there's there's a lot to discuss, but I think the MJF stuff is a good starting point. Uh, 
also, I'm going to just throw this out there. There's something we try to avoid doing too often on here, which is mentioning problematic people. And I, it's going to have to come up at least once in this episode because there are there are parallels that have to be drawn that are very clear and I think very important, right? So MJF, going back to like Double or Nothing weekend, and even before that, even before that, for months, for months we've been seeing reports online from almost every like news journalism, wrestling journalism source that MJF has been unhappy with his contract, that there have been problems with MJF and the company. He's, he's mentioned it in promos before on Dynamite. Yep, and, you know, some people are like, he's been working, and other people are like, no, this is a shoot. And really, we had no way of knowing because, as we've discussed previously, MJF is a very hard person to pin down. He is, as far as we know, always working. So it becomes a real problem. Uh, with that said, going into Double or Nothing, he missed a... He no-showed a meet and greet, which is usually a pretty big deal. Uh, and then there was the report of a plane ticket being purchased in his name and some concern that he was going to be leaving the night before. We got confirmation that didn't happen, but weren't sure if he was going to make it to the show or not, or if he was bothering to go to the show or not. So... Then he goes out there, right? Like, the pay-per-view goes on, and he goes out there, he has his match, he gets squashed by Wardlow. Okay, cool. And with the exception of maybe the beginning before the bell rings and all that, of him, like, doing the airplane in the ring and having a slightly extended bit for his entrance where he doesn't come out right away when he normally would mm -hmm. to kind of maybe work the crowd of, oh, he's not actually here. I think it, if you didn't know any of the news, you wouldn't know that anything happened. Yeah. That whole match, that whole segment, all of that probably go went off as planned. Wardlow wins. He squashes. MJF tries cheating. He gets stopped. Okay, because that's the storyline beaten how it was supposed to go. Sure. So at some point in time, we've he's either just gone back in and said, all right, like whatever, you know, I'm doing the match and then I'm out or they've at least reconciled of, all right, Hey, if you leave right now, that's, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, according to Sean Rossap, who spoke to MJF, MJF told him I showed up late. I worked my match and I left and, you know, MJF left on, left on a stretcher. Uh, I refer to it as he went into the shadow realm because it's one of those things where, you know, you write him off, and then if he never comes back, he never comes back. Uh, which, you know, at the very least, it was expected he was going to take some dates off. Uh, a number of people reported that that was what was going to happen. But then they announced ahead of Dynamite that MJF would be there to address the, the ongoing situation. Yep, yep. And so, yeah, he took a whopping two days off. Yep. And then showed up to work again, where he, we're in full worked shoot territory now, right? Like, that's what this is. He cuts a scathing promo on Tony Khan and his relationship to the company and the fans and everything. I, I mean, okay, so I think it's important to, to f like, configure it the right way, because it, it was the opposite of that, right? is he comes out and, and the first people he targets are the fans, and uh, then yes. he targets the company, and then he targets Tony Khan. And I think that's really important to note 
because the crowd grew through that promo with him, right? This was MJF is on the precipice of being like the big, the second biggest face in the well, now the biggest, but the second biggest face in the history of the company, arguably with that promo, right? Like the the pieces are there. Oh yeah. Well, we've seen it before because he cut that promo uh against Punk, right? Of uh where MJF cut a babyface promo. Yep. And he comes out as the absolute hated heel, cuts a babyface promo and has fans and Punk obviously knowing that it's coming, but like has the fans literally going like wait a minute, hold on a second. Have we got MJF all wrong? Yep. It was great. It was so and good. He's the best talker in the business right now. And and the, that is something that it, it's uh, it, this this whole situation, and that that's why this whole situation is is what it is, right? Why why we're sitting here talking about this? Why you know? Because it's it's MJF. If it's not MJF, we're not talking about this like this, right? And so, just real quick to jump on the the promo with Punk, there was no uh, a classic payoff to it either. It was just a thing that happened. And then they moved forward with that just existing, which creates a really interesting situation here. Where again, yeah, if it wasn't MJF, we're not having this conversation. Because if it wasn't MJF, he wouldn't have no-showed the meet and greet. That that just wouldn't have happened. If it wasn't MJF, we wouldn't be getting reports from Wade Keller literally today of how there are people in the back and outside of the company who are like, we had conversations with Max Freeman who told us this and we don't know if we were getting worked now or not. If it's not MJF, that never happens. MJF. And, and I said to you, like before this, I was like, in terms of everything, though, like in our conversation, it was all right. It's a, it's a shoot that he no showed the meet and greet because he's upset about the contract and, and everything. And then somewhere in that with the, with the airplane ticket and whatever, this turned into a work. Mm. And one of the things I said to you is uh, because of, of why no show a meet and greet, because like you're ultimately saying, you know, fuck you to the fans that paid money for this. And I'm like, okay, but there's only one person in wrestling right now that can do that. Yep. in character and get away with it it's and the, have it have the desired effect and it's, it's mjf yeah it's the same guy who could flip off a, a 10 year old and yeah. and like make that work also out of meet and greet yeah also out <laughs> of meet and greet yeah and you know what you're right because now i'm i'm super convinced that it's been a work from the beginning i i and, i wholly believe this was a masterclass on like to, to add to that a reason why i thought of it at the show itself is because um it, just thinking about it like he's having a match against Wardlow who is becoming this mega baby face star for them and MJF is getting to that point coming off of a show in his hometown uh two weeks prior yeah where he's getting cheered Wardlow's getting booed yep and now all right fine all of this didn't happen in the most magical places on earth Long Island New York but <laughs> This was totally MJF going, all right, I'll literally just say fuck you to the wallets of the fans. Yeah. And the news will get out and everybody will hate me for it. And people will think I'm leaving the company just like Cody did. 
I'm mm. gonna leave them just like anybody else would. I'm gonna tell them that this place sucks. They don't treat their people well. Well, I, I not even their people, just me. Yeah. You know, who cares? I'm better than this. I'm better than this place. He's come back to the I'm better than this because I'm MJF. Only he's done it in a way that we don't know what's real and what's not real. And who is the beneficiary of all of this? Wardlow. Yeah. So he gets over and he still has the moment. He still has the match, but now it's ultimately the, all right, Wardlow, cool. Wardlow is removed from this situation because now he can go be a star in his own right. He's not tied to MJF anymore because MJF is this whole other story over here. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, and okay, before I, before I proceed any further, um, the, the, I want to talk about the promo itself, right? And, uh, you know, like, like I said, we try and avoid problematic people, but in this instance, this was, this was the essence of Ric Flair, right? This, this was a hundred percent just some people have compared it to punk and it's like, okay, sure. Fine. Whatever. I, I guess in that it is an upset promo presented as a shoot by a guy who's upset with the company, but that's really where that ends. But this was a full on like channeling the, uh, the still alive somehow spirit of Ric Flair. Right. It, it was uh, from, from the, the way that he, he spoke and the way that he paced the, the plot of his promo from beginning to end and how he worked the crowd, him addressing the, um, the producer on the outside, such a flair thing. Literally, we've seen Ric Flair do that before, right? Um, the 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 jacket and it's just like turning red and spitting and and just this was very this very much felt like Ric Flair, and it felt so cool coming from MJF because it inherently made him feel more human because this is the opposite of the character that we see all the time. And that's what the real like payoff for this was, is this felt real because regardless of whether or not there's some reality to it or not, which maybe there is, who knows, but regardless of whether there is or not, this was a, a human being and not that douchebag. And that was so powerful. Because we don't normally see MJF, well, we don't normally see MJF the person at all. Mm -hmm. uh, we normally see MJF the character, and he's almost never angry. Yeah. Um, in, in a way that he loses his cool or loses his composure very rarely. Um, and even then, it's usually targeted to somebody right in front of him. And this was, he, yeah, I, I don't want to say he threw a tantrum. Like it's not quite that far, but it's close. Yeah. Like it's borderline that. Which is another very Ric Flair thing. Yep. Cause, well, because, you know, Flair is that guy, too, of, uh, you know, dropping an elbow on a jacket. So it's like, yeah, all right, come on, Flair. But, like, you know, he he's that person now. And the, the continuation of this, you know, I, I'm not taking us off the promo completely, but at the end of the promo of the just expletives until, you know, he's cut off, essentially yelling at Tony to fire him. Yep. And he has since been removed from their page and all of their um, merch has been taken down um, from uh, Pro Wrestling Tees or ShopAEW.com. Okay. Which I talked to somebody else who didn't quite 
necessarily maybe understand this point of view, which, you know, I think is accurate. So I'll say it here is a lot of uh, AW and pro wrestling tees merch is made to order. Yeah. So they can do that. And it's not like they have a stockpile of MJF stuff that they're not selling. Whereas WWE is they have like these bulk orders of stuff done. So even if punk leaves the company, they're just going to discount everything and they're still going to keep selling it because they don't want to be stuck with a hundred thousand CM Punk t-shirts for the next 50 years. Unless hoping they come back one day. Unless your name is, is Sasha Banks or Naomi. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> but, well, but no, we'll yeah, see about that one. Yeah, but, but absolutely. You're, you're correct. Yeah. And that's exactly why they can do it and not have to worry in the slightest. Yeah. <laughs> so these, the reason why I say that is because this feels like they're using business moves, but they're not actually business moves. These are character moves. These are, uh, what are we doing with MJF, the character? Okay, well, we'll suspend him, take him off the page. What does that do? Nothing. Uh, Take the shirts down. We won't sell them. What does that do? Very little. So something interesting that happened live, but we didn't get to see on TV, which I think is interesting, is as MJF is like shouting, fire me after the mic has cut off and he's frustrated, so uh, Matt Jackson and CM Punk come out. Matt Jackson stays up at the ramp by the, the tunnel or whatever. But CM Punk in one boot, which we'll talk about in a bit, comes like half limping down the ramp, doing sort of the disappointed dad, what are you doing face and like movements and goes to try and talk sense into him, which is the point where MJF by the way, and I think this is important, which is why I'm, I'm surprised we didn't see it, throws the scarf down on the mat, gets out of the ring, and proceeds to leave through the audience. I thought that was a really interesting thing. I'm surprised we didn't get to see that and haven't seen it yet, but maybe next week on Dynamite it's something we'll see uh, because it, it feels super important, right? And there's a part of me that, I think I said this to you, before we knew Punk was injured, there was a part of me that's like, at I almost called it no way out. <laughs> at all out, we're going to see MJF Punk, except the roles are going to be reversed. Now, obviously, that doesn't seem like it's going to be the case, although who knows? We don't know how. Whatever. We'll talk more about that. But MJF is doing something incredible right now, and I'm all here for it. However, one thing I do want to bring us back to is when we we're talking about the Cody situation. So one of the things I voiced as a concern with Cody was in order for this to have been a work, which, you know, it wasn't, but could have been, you have to lie to your locker room. Well, there is no doubt in my mind that Tony and and MJF lied to their locker room. We have confirmation that he has lied not only to the locker room, but to other people that he's close with outside of the company who now can't trust him. And even more than that, I have to imagine are questioning the value of their, their relationship because that's what you did right in, in the simplest terms is you made me sound like an asshole or made me worry about you even so you could get a paycheck. So even on like a metal level is, is, is this a heel move? That's too far of a heel move. Does this break the trust in the locker room? And is that going to be a problem moving forward? Those are big questions. I I think the the big thing is the 
you know, going back with all of these contract dispute things of, you know, I'm not getting paid enough, whatever. It sounds very much like MJF and Tony Khan have had this discussion and said, all right, keep it going. Like you didn't sign an extension, keep it going. Like you didn't get a raise. And meanwhile, here's the extension and here's the raise. Maybe he didn't Um, even, I I would throw that out there. Maybe he didn't. Maybe it is a verbal, a verbal agreement between them. Like we talked about with Cody, maybe there's a verbal agreement that says we're running this. If we give you this raise, it will get out. There are too many people who have their hands on, on payroll for it not to, but you will be seeing that money guaranteed at the end of this when we can pull the trigger. Like now, like literally this week after that promo where we're like, oh, well, there's no way this is a shoot anymore. This is when it's like sign the extension. MJF gets his raise. Yeah, yeah. Or something else where it's like a deferred payment thing where it's not on a payroll until a certain date, something like that. There's so many ways that you could do something like that where it's not oh my God, this guy has actually left the company. He's not signed to anybody. We fired him and this is all real. (laughs) I I think we, I think that ship has sailed. It's so interesting because we did talk about this with Cody. We talked about it a lot. We talked about like how small is the circle. And if this is just a Tony Khan and MJF circle, that's a very small circle. Yeah. And at what point in time? I, now I I can't punk. honestly believe I, that I would I would 100% say Punk isn't on this. At yes, and I would imagine the EVPs are in on this too. Yeah, because um, at a certain point, like how could you even book creative at all with any input if you don't know if this person works for the company? Yeah. So uh, you know maybe Wardlow's in on it. I don't know. Um, you know because he worked the match with the guy. Like I don't know what he would have been told and what he wouldn't have been told. No, that's fair. Um, you know, so I also don't know uh, of any of the reports. MJF could be a guy who is very much not a part of the locker room. Mm-hmm. He is his own entity. He does not mix and mingle with anybody else because he is still keeping that MJF character aura going. I don't know. I, these are details I'm not privy to, but yeah, the big concern there is definitely the, you can work the journalists all day. Who cares? That's, yeah. that's fine. As long as you're not outwardly spreading misinformation in terms of causing harm somewhere, sure, you could do that, whatever. Um, but if you are do start lying to your locker room about things, not telling them things is one thing, but like lying to them about things, then it becomes problematic. And we're if we haven't crossed the line into that right now, which maybe some people in that locker room will feel like that line has been crossed already, um, you're teetering on that line, or you're right before it. You're very close. Yeah, that's fair. I don't, you know, because at what point in time do you start like telling people that, you know, this is legit and contracts have not been offered, and you start playing with people's money and promises, yeah. and that's you have another company out there that is very publicly being slammed for empty promises over and over again, so your rep will start turning into, oh, you're another empty promise machine. Yeah. And, you know, with the other stories of people being kind of frustrated or upset with the company that are almost definitely not works like this is, you know, the, the, the concern is still there, right? Like if I'm a San, if I'm Santana or even Thunder Rosa, who recently voiced her frustration with like everything she's been up to after winning the title, 
Uh, I imagine there's more of a concern now when you have that moment of, oh, they're not just not giving me, you know, the TV time or the push or the placement that I feel like I'm worth. They're also just flat out willing to lie to me to get other guys over. And that's rough. That's a problem. Uh, is it enough of a problem? I think it will absolutely de depend on where this goes with MJF and how valuable it turns out to be of a move. Um, because, like, yeah. you know. Also, how does Tony handle it? You know, behind the scenes, is this a thing of <clears throat> immediately once news breaks of, oh, MJF's new contract, blah, 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 all that stuff, right? Like, is it is it something where Tony is like, hey, guys, all right, I wanted to call a meeting just to, like, get everybody on the same page here. We did this for these reasons to try to work a storyline, yada, yada, yada. Okay, we're all caught up on the same page. Sorry if anybody took offense to that. All right, on to the next thing. Tony Khan will probably be a little more animated doing that than I just was. But, you know, oh, okay. if he does something like that, or as opposed to like, oh, no, these, this is my locker room full of action figures. I can do what I want to do. Yeah. That will probably rub a lot of people the wrong way. Which which is, so, I, I feel like, a valid concern. Because, you know, we've, we've heard stories from guys like Joey Janela where it's like, uh, Tony Khan is your best friend until he doesn't care anymore, and then you just don't hear from him anymore, right? And we've seen him be kind of thin-skinned on Twitter and with, you know, especially with the Big Soul situation where she voiced completely valid concerns and he was like, nah, you shit, though, bye. And it's like, okay, well, that's that's the those are the kinds of reasons that I'm concerned because it, it leaves me being like, well, maybe he won't do that the right way. Maybe he will be like, well, this worked. Wasn't it cool? Wasn't it cool, guys? It was cool, right? Oh, good. I'm glad you agree, because I do sign your checks. Okay, bye. Man, I'm the coolest guy in the world. Is yeah. is and like I'm exaggerating a little bit, yeah. But but like that is that is legitimately a concern uh, when it comes to Tony. It, it seems. Mm -hmm. And again, the Cody situation turned out to be exactly what everybody was saying it was: of got offered, declined, left. All right. You know, it wasn't playing it close to the chest. It was, no, this is true. For this, it could be a thing of, all right, if if this is all something that you put together and you helped engineer, you got to own it. And that's for good, bad, and everything in between. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, again, from this point, we just kind of got to wait and see what else happens right i mean the the numbers for mjf this week were whew, amazing and well deserved so you know we'll see what happens with that which brings us on to the next part of tonight because <laughs> we'll see what happens as if nothing else happened this week man yeah so cm punk is hurt don't know when it happened. I don't think there's a moment. Uh, I think it's a number of things. You know, we're not here to speculate too much. But, like, just to throw it out there, I think it was a mixture of landing poorly on the punk shots and then slamming himself into the, the barricade when he went to jump into the fans and then the springboard 
that that didn't go well in the match. I think all of these pieces together kind of were the problem. But we don't know. They've been almost suspiciously coy about what's wrong. Yeah, it feels like one of those things where hopefully it's not nearly as bad as some other injuries have been. Because we've seen people like, uh, I'll throw out Tegan Knox, who's had horrible knee injuries that have sidelined her for a year at a time. Yeah. And uh, this is one of those things where he was very nonspecific about what the hell it is. You know, he said one of his limbs, but didn't specify which one. We've come to learn it seems to be a leg, but (laughs) he needed surgery, didn't specify what kind of surgery. Is this a broken bone? Is this a torn ligament? What is this? Well, we have no idea. He suggested that he said something where he was like, the wheel didn't fall off, but it's broken, something like that. So it sounded like it was something broken. Yeah, so maybe it's it's weird because it's also like, you know, if you broke something and it's not that bad, like you can still walk on it, Yeah. then why do you need surgery? But uh, there's obviously enough circumstances that could still warrant surgery. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it could be a complicated issue, but it could also be a complicated issue that he goes get surgery for, surgery goes well, he's back in a couple months. Yeah, so. uh, and I, I'm, I'm reluctant but almost willing to say that I don't think he's going to be out too long because we're crowning an interim champion. But at the same time, we spoke last week a little bit about Tony's feelings on CM Punk and how he views CM Punk, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was like, yeah, Punk's going to be out for like a year and a half. Great. Well, we're not going to take the title off him because he's CM Punk. So we're just going to make an interim champion, and that's what we'll have. And then when Punk comes back, he gets to be CM Punk again. I, I, I got to be honest. So, like, call me the skeptic, but, like, I wouldn't be surprised. So, like, your your gut wants to say, like, interim champion versus CM Punk is the main event match at All Out this year. Yeah. Right? You What you're saying is maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. It's totally possible. It is totally possible. Of course, like, you know, you hope surgery goes well and you yeah. hope prognosis is good and all that stuff and, and nothing's worse than it seems. Oh, of course. Uh, of course. Uh, and for every other injury we ha- have already or are about to discuss, the same thing. Yeah, because CM Punk is not the only one who's hurt. No, no. And we'll talk more about the title stuff. If you want to just quickly run down some injuries, because, man, there's a list of injuries and they're not even limited to one company, but... Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We've got we got a number of them. I mean, we've got a lot of injuries over the past X amount of whatevers, but the like recent ones, right? Uh, we'll yes. start with the ones that are, I guess, least relevant to this, and then build to yeah. the more relevant ones, right? So you got Yoshirai, sure. who's hurt. Um, not again, not that it matters for this, but she's injured. We don't know how bad she's injured. Um, they are hopeful she'll be good to go for the summer. But there is no guarantee, which is concerning. Um, then we've got uh, uh, relevant for tonight, if not for this podcast, Cody Rhodes. Yep. It appears to have torn something in his arm. Looks bad. Yep. I, uh, I don't know exactly what it is, but it is not pretty. Yeah. And so. we'll talk we'll talk more about that next week uh, when we do talk about Hell in the Cell because we have to. Uh and you know what? I'll say it. I'll say it. I kind of want to, but we'll get there. 
Um, but focusing on this company, we've got um, CM Punk, right? Yep. We've got Brian Danielson, who missed a meet and greet and is out now with an injury, but we don't know what yet. Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy, who I think they've said his his problem started in the Derby match, right? Which is not surprising at all and has only gotten worse from there. Which Yeah, he took a yeah. bad bump in the tag match with the Bucks mm-hmm. and said, I think the quote going around is that he doesn't even remember most of that match. Yes. So that's always troubling. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a concern. Um, hopefully, you know, it takes his time, gets healed up, doesn't have to rush anything. Uh, who else do we got? We got uh, Adam Cole. Baby. Okay. Look, I will never, ever, ever wish an injury on anyone, especially in the wrestling business. Never, because it sucks. You are on a clock from day one, and you don't get that time back. And it, it, it's awful. With that said. I breathed a deep breath of relief upon realizing Adam Cole was hurt here because if we're being perfectly honest, that's who you put the belt on here. It is. It's it's just so easy. You want him on TV every week anyway. You want him pulling heat. The crowd loves interacting with him. You love putting him out there and having him go over everyone. Great. Give him the title. Not to mention all of the other upsides that come narratively that come with him being the next AEW champion. Plus, if he's banged up, he can still talk. So he doesn't have to necessarily wrestle every single week and he'd be fine. But thankfully, we're doing the Battle Royal this week and I don't think he's going to be ready for it. So doesn't seem to be the case. No. Huzzah. So. Yeah, so uh, I don't think think so i think that covers the extent of the injuries okay cool i think so if i missed one or you missed one and we mention them as we're going forward we'll shout them out but i I think that's the gist of it so far so what we do have is a plan (laughs) because (laughs) over over the weekend because punk's announcement came on rampage not on dynamite we get the uh the path to the new champion which is going, the interim champion is going to be crowned at Forbidden Door. On the New Japan side, we have a match between Tanahashi and Goto. Yeah. And the winner of those two, Tanahashi, uh, will go on to Forbidden Door to face the winner of John Moxley and a Battle Royal winner, which is both going to happen. Both of those matches are going to happen next week on Dynamite. Yes. Yes, the Battle oh. Royal and Moxley are both going to happen next week. It seems like the, it's going to be the Battle Royal kicks off the show. And, and then, then Moxley the is the main event. Yeah, the winner versus Moxley in the main event. Yeah. So I wonder... If, so first off, I, f- I feel like the, the solution here is obvious because they've been between... On their own time, been building the Moxley-Tanahashi match for like over a year now, right? And it hasn't happened. So like, duh. But with that said, this is a really interesting opportunity where, A, this couldn't have happened at a worse time because you can't really... It would be really strange to put the title on MJF considering everything, so he's out. Cole is hurt, so he's out. Uh, uh, Punk is hurt, so he's out. 
putting the title back on page would ruin any like story that you're telling with him. Also, isn't going to happen because it doesn't seem that he's in the Battle Royal next week. Because he's having a match with David Finley. Let's talk about that in a second. Hang on. We'll come back to that because I have thoughts. It's fair. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just crossing him off the list. Sure. Not an injury, but in yeah. all likelihood, not him. Yeah. Brian is, is hurt, so he's out. So you really are like left without the big top end of the company, barring like Moxley and Jericho. And who else would you feel comfortable? Kenny's out for the foreseeable future. Who are you comfortable putting the title on for now? That's not John Moxley or Chris Jericho. And granted, it could be that way because you could have Jericho win the battle Royal, especially with the help of the appreciation society. And this furthers that plot. But then you've lost a storyline that you want to tell because you're also doing the whole BCC Jericho Appreciation Society thing. So I, I don't think that they go with Jericho. Okay, so then we're back to Mox Beast. Who else is there? Now, okay, for the who else is there, we're also talking about this from the AEW company perspective of yes. a top guy, not who is a credible person to be a champion on their roster because they have those in spades. You could pick... I'm I'm not even saying that. I'm saying literally you've got Penta, you've got uh Keith Lee, you've got like you know, you've got so many people on this roster that if you say, All right, they're a world champion, I don't think fans will complain at all. I think I think there are some who will. I think that the, the Oh, I think is, some will complain no matter who you get, but sure. But AEW has also made kind of a divide uh, a defining line between their like top top tier talent and everyone else, right? So like Penta, who 100% should be able to walk in on Wednesday and win the the number, like, be the AEW guy in the title match. There will be AEW fans who are like, really? That doesn't make sense. The tag guy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a fault of AEW's, but, like, yeah, that would happen. Yeah, that's why I'm specifying, like, the AEW company perspective yeah. of who we have lined up in the queue that could have been a challenger to Punk or Hangman or somebody like that. And also, that list is a lot shorter. I'm like 90% sure that Wardlow was ranked number one right before they made the announcement that Moxley was ranked number one. And so he was going to be the guy in that match. That's possible. Yeah. It's also a little weird that Moxley would still be ranked that high coming off a loss at the pay-per-view although he did win on dynamite so i guess you could argue that that put him back in the number one spot it it but. seems like it because as i'm looking at the rankings now mox has a little arrow on him that put him above wardlow but does even though wardlow also won on dynamite so I right that's what i was gonna say does it win over daniel garcia beat wardlow's does a loss to anarchy in the arena which was not a lights out match and a win over Daniel Garcia beat Wardlow beating MJF, and then uh, I forget who he faced on Dynamite. The uh, former champion intangible asterisk point. Right, yes. <laughs> that they never talked about before until I mentioned it right now. Sure. Uh, so, I don't know, but whatever, like, fine. It's, it's kayfabe anyway, who cares? Uh... Yeah, so they are. They're very much lacking in people who fit that position. 
So we're assuming that the winner faces Tanahashi, right? That's a given. I think the other fair assumption here to make, which maybe isn't as much of a given, but probably is still a given, is that whoever faces Tanahashi beats Tanahashi to win this interim championship. Unless Punk is going to be cleared to come back very quickly, I can't see Tanahashi holding this championship for any extended period of time. Can I play pretend for a minute? Sure. Okay. So we talked a little bit about how it should... I think we talked about it. About how at Forbidden Door, one of the matches that should be on that card would be Hangman and Tana, right? For a lot of... There's a lot of history there over the years. Um, There is a, a world where, and I'm not saying this should or will happen, but there's a world where no matter who faces Tanahashi, Tanahashi wins. Because then, Hanger can still continue his story that he told against Punk of, my job here is to protect us from you. Which felt like it was very much the build-up to the eventual Punk heel turn, uh, uh, you know, and, and the interloper, you're the WWE guy, which, by the way, again, gets mentioned in the MJF promo because this is becoming, I feel like, a huge part of the AEW narrative moving forward, which is interesting. And we'll talk about that in another episode. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that in another episode. We might devote a whole episode to that. But uh, so what happens now is you have another interloper, not from WWE, but another interloper from somewhere that, that was relevant before now, but now only exists because of us where it's true. New Japan has no space in the U.S. without AEW. It, it's just true. Um, where now you have the opportunity to do two things at once. One, what you said you were going to do and protect this company, your company, from, from this outside force. And two, show Tanahashi that he was right. And that you are th- this, like, top guy. That he said you could be if you just got away from the Bullet Club. If you got away from Omega, if you got away from the Young Bucks, if you went and did you, you could really be something. and Boy, wouldn't it be something. And that could be a really cool story to tell. Will it be told here? Probably not. Should it be told here? Also, probably not. But there's a place where that could happen. Yeah, I, I could see the case for uh, maybe Moxley, maybe somebody else um, faces Tana, loses at Forbidden Door. That's how we go off the air at Forbidden Door. Maybe even Hangman coming out ends Forbidden Door one way or the other. And then going forward, maybe Fighter Fest, Fight for the Fallen on AEW TV, you get Tanahashi, Hangman, and Hangman wins the title. Yeah, that could happen. You know, I could see a world where that happens. And then you set up Hangman being more heel-ish for a bit in terms of having more of that that edge to his attitude of the, like, see, you know, I some people will construe it as being a heel because he's not just straight white meat babyface anymore. Yeah, but, I, um, I told you. I, I told you this yep. was happening. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And see, like, as soon as he won it, he couldn't even keep it. He's gone already. Um, And so Punk comes back and you have that match maybe at All Out. And that's fine. It's as close as a, oh no, something bad happened, hit a reset button as you can get without just completely ruining things. But there are other options. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there are so many. 
There are so many. Yeah, the one that I've thrown out to you is I would love it to be Miro. Same. I would love it so much. Another one that I don't want it to be, but I could see the case for it, especially considering everything we talked about last episode. It's Sammy Guevara. Um, I said that to someone and they called me crazy. No, dude. What nuclear heat. Because you're telling me right now with everything going on that if Cody were still in AEW that you would not just have Cody win this championship? 100%. 100 percent doesn't matter what oh, you'd have to do i i i'm not competing for the title i'm competing for the interim championship i have to put it down for the good of the company as an evp it's the right thing to do and you know what when punk comes back i'll just give it up i'll just give yeah. it up when when punk comes back he'll be the champion again and of course when punk comes back you either do the heel turn or if you're not willing to do the heel turn still then you do the the thing where punk goes no 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 fuck that we're gonna have the match and that's how you do it right like if, yep. if you're really not willing to be the heel yeah so either way like that's what i'm saying like if cody were still around this would 100 percent be where you slot cody in. yeah 100 yeah absolutely without yeah. a doubt but since that's gone and you have cody 2.0 and sammy kapara <laughs> why not right i yeah i i joked about it as you want to be the heel uh with sammy because they do they're clearly embracing the fact that he's a heel yeah um just have him be the Joker in the Owen. Yeah. And, you know, screw over the fans. It's not yeah. even a surprise. Here you go. If you want to do it again, here's a spot. Here's a spot. Do it. I don't think they will. But because they could. Not only could you do it, but you could be so smart about it and protect everyone else involved, right? First off, no one is hurt when someone wins a battle royale, right? Like, nobody looks weak when someone else wins a battle royale. Great. Then you do him and Moxley, and you have Jericho fuck Moxley over it. Yep. A, you, you have that connection between Sammy and Jericho where even if they're like not involved anymore because Sammy was like, I don't want anything to do with this. Jericho was like, you know what? You didn't get involved and that's all I needed because now I beat them and that's fine. And also he's got the, the beef with Mox. So it's perfect. But then the question is, can he beat Tanahashi? Ah, uh, that's a hard sell, right? It's really hard to, to imagine convincing New Japan to be like literally the guy who saved our company yeah, Sammy Guevara can go over him. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> that's that's the hard sell for me. But but it, it would it would I be agree. great. It'd be a great. I, I do think that that moment. that might have to be a thing where maybe they make a few concessions on other parts of the card. Yeah. Of oh that six man tag over there that was gonna go our way or it's going your way now. Yeah. We'll we'll give you some other big stuff. Uh uh. I mean. The other problem now is if Danielson is out, how long? Because Forbidden Door is what three weeks away, yep. two weeks away, three weeks away, something like three that. Three weeks right? away, I believe. Holy moly! What do you do? Because like clearly it was going to be him and Okada, right? Like I'm very, very unlikely to be anyone else. Almost definitely, just Okada beats him. Maybe in magical like Christmas land, it's a sixty minute draw. But really, Okada beats him. Well, well, they clearly don't have a problem having 18-hour pay-per-views. So. <laughs> sure. so what do you do now? Like, that's another oh, one where you lose out huge on that. Yeah, Unless you're like, I guess awful. we'll do Hangman versus Okada. And, okay, why? That doesn't make sense. No, that doesn't make sense. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't know. Because you, oh. you've lost all of your like Iron Men type people. They're all out. 
Yeah. I mean, fine. Send William Regal out there, but <laughs> I'd watch that. Let's go. Book too, but, but regardless of that, like, yeah. And, and sure. They have a very deep roster, but this very much feels like uh, whoever it is, is punching way up yep. at Okada now. Yep. Very, very far. Well, cause, cause Okada, Okada is one of those guys who, you know, I would go so far as to say he's God, right? Okada is one of the gods of pro wrestling right now. He's not even just a main eventer. This is the like outside of WWE. This is your Brock Lesnar. Is is Okada Kazuchika Okada versus anyone, with very few exceptions, feels like you're punching up. Yeah, yeah, and those guys are people who have been in the ring with Okada before, who have probably beaten Okada before, but even they are probably have a losing record against Okada. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. That's tricky and it does go back to a thing of maybe you end up doing like some type of mixed tag match situation where it's okada and other people versus some people i don't know but that just feels like oh it's kind of what what could have been because even if even if you weren't going to get danielson it doesn't seem like you're going to get adam cole either so that's two matches that could have been like the really long ones where somebody's wrestling a very long good wrestling match with okada and you're not getting either one so yeah hell just sitting here and like looking over their roster i don't know i have no idea who it would be like you're right drake they have such a thin roster they need to sign more people stop stop that because he will hear you (laughs) danhausen we do okada danhausen let's go no, no, because okay. if they if they don't do Danhausen and Yano, they have made a mistake, right? Or like Orange Cassidy Yano. These are the two. They have to do one of oh, those, or they've no, made no, a no, mistake. No. Do do Yano and Okada against Hook and Danhausen. I'm down. Do that match. Hook wins, right? Hook beats Yano. Hook, Hook beats Yano, yeah. <laughs> Danhausen Okada, curses Okada. While Okada is just being perplexed by Danhausen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, since we are we are starting to run short on time, I will say one of the matches we have to do for Forbidden Door is Darby Hiromu. That has to happen. Again, clear miss if that's not the match. That feels right. The only other thing I'm curious about is because I do expect to see a lot of multi-man matches. Um, where do you slot in the rest of LIJ? Because... Mm. I personally, I thought we were going to get like faction versus faction. I want the reunion. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen either. So I, I don't know where you put them. I don't know. We've only got three weeks, so it it's weird. Uh, I don't know. There hasn't been any buildup, right? Like, man, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 wanted, I wanted to see like Bullet Club versus LIJ or something, right? You've got, you've got Roosh. You've got Andrade. You've got Naito, you've got Shingo, you've got the make make it work, guys. Come on. If we don't get the LIJ reunion here, something something has gone wrong. There's a lot of things that should happen on this card that I'll be very surprised if they don't happen, but should have been built up. So we know that we're gonna have one match, at least from AEW side, finalized from Dynamite. And that's going to be the, we know the AW representative in the interim title match. Yeah. Cool. Hangman's facing David Finley. Mm-hmm. I do wonder if somewhere in that, maybe post-match, we get Hangman's next move, maybe set up for his match at Forbidden Door. Yeah, that's totally possible. So I'm wondering how many matches in the next week 
by the time we sit down again, are we going to know? Or at least kind of know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, but we're going to have to wait until next week to figure that out because it does look like we are just about out of time for this episode. Closing thoughts? Oh, it's been a crazy week, Drake. Somehow we're not hurt, but oh, man. I'm, I'm super psyched about Forbidden Door, but I really, really hope it doesn't turn into the what could have been show. Yeah. Well, with that, I think we're going to end for this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening to us talk about all things wrestling except Hell in a Cell, which we'll discuss next week. So take care, and remember, no door is truly forbidden.